0: a and sweet. It was written for me. It's a promise that I could be. From all my sin and my shame, even rest my case at the cross, for now I have someone to champion my cause. I've been justified, satisfied, oh I have it all, so I rest my case at Feel sorry for me When you see I'm in need There's a judge who grants mercy and love All my burdens He lifts All my sin He forgives Every trial is won through the blood case at the cross, for now I have someone to champion my cause, I've been justified, satisfied, oh I have it all, so I rest my case at the cross, I've been justified, Satisfied, oh, I have it all, so I rest my case at the cross. There is coming a day. Oh, and no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the high. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. Oh, what a day, glorious day. No more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be! What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see
1: The only one this sickness benefits is the bass singer over there, Mark. <clears throat> he finally sounds like a bass. No, actually, he's not sick at all. He's just got a good voice. Anyway, we thank the Lord for him. All right, take your Bible tonight. Turn over to Psalm chapter 127 tonight. Psalm 127. We're going to I'm going to kind of start a eh, not a long series, just a real short series, really. Just a couple of weeks, probably two or three maybe. Uh, dealing with a happy home so talk a little bit about a happy home so psalm chapter 127 and uh boy i tell you what i'm pretty excited i enjoyed that that was good i like to hear that singing and those guys do a great job that's for sure 127 and boy brother andy i I want to thank man getting that thing taken care of way to go man i mean troubleshooter extraordinaire that's awesome dude way to go Man, I, I thought we were cooked. He got it figured out, and man, everything's working great. And boy, that's great to have competent—excuse me—competent <clears throat> me, competent people in positions, and they can get things done. I like that. Psalm chapter one twenty-seven, verse one: <clears throat> The Bible says, "Excuse me, my voice give me a little trouble." There we go. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Well, anytime you start thinking about the home, it's hard not to go to Psalm chapter 127. You know, except the Lord build the house. And uh, tonight, I'm sure that the crowd that's gathered tonight has Uh, not the crowd that needs to be told how important and how essential Christ is in building a successful home. A little boy named Danny, he lived uh, with his family in a trailer. One day somebody came to him and they asked him, they said, don't you wish you had a real home? And Danny said, well, we have a real home. We just don't have a house to put it in. That's pretty good insight, isn't it? We just don't have a house to put it in. Or, and I thought that was pretty good. You know, a house and a home are very different. You know that, and so do I. But a house is just a physical structure. It's made, of, I don't know, perhaps of bricks or wood or stone. It can be large. It can be small. It may, even have, it may, it may not even have people living in it. It's still, as you know, it's a, it's a house. But if a house doesn't include people, then a house is not really a home, is it? It takes people to make it a home. By contrast, a home is a haven. It provides shelter and acceptance, and it should provide unconditional love. A happy home is becoming harder and harder to find today. And I want to share a few things that you and I need to do if we truly want to have a happy home. And so tonight, I want to kick things off by saying, if we're going to have a happy home, then we're, we, we must love. L-O-V-E, we must love. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll consider that tonight. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts. Thank you for this wonderful group that's gathered today, and Lord, for those that are watching via the live stream, we thank you for just all the opportunity that you've given us to love you, to serve you, and to just to adore you. You're so wonderful, Lord. You're so worthy of our praise. <clears throat> we are thankful for this opportunity to gather. And Lord, uh, listen, we, we understand that, Lord, we just need to lean on you and trust you, not our own understanding. Now, tonight, I'm praying you'd fill me with your Holy Ghost. Allow me to be your mouthpiece. I, I have nothing to give this thy people, except you give it to me first. And Lord, I ask that you would anoint every listening ear, that they would hear with spiritual ears and glean and grow as you would have. Father, I thank you for the privilege it is to stand behind this sacred desk and proclaim your truth. I'm so unworthy, and yet, Lord, you are so, so gracious. May you help me to be a blessing now to your people. We love you, we need you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So love, love is foundational, isn't it? It's foundational. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I know somebody says, well, we already know this. I know you do. But I think we need reminded from time to time. Um, Sometimes we we know things. We don't just always uh, apply things, do we? We know we should love our children, but let's be honest, it can be difficult at times to express love. We know we should love our spouse, but that doesn't mean that we exhibit the kind of love we should from time to time. And so as believers, we need reminded, I think, from the, the, to, to, to be uh, the kind of man, the woman that we should be, we need to love. And our homes, if they're going to see happiness and joy, love is foundational. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now abideth faith, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians verse 13, and now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. That word charity is love, okay? And so when the Bible's talking here, it's talking about love. Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Now let's face it, we're not to say, well, I guess I don't need faith. I suppose it's useless to you know, go after to have hope. I'm just going to seek love. That's it. Love is all that matters. Well, the greatest of these is charity. And uh, so we see the the priority that the Lord places on it, the importance that he places. He's not trying to diminish from the others. He's only trying to say that love, you don't have that one. The rest of it falls apart. Love is where it all lies. That's the foundational aspect here we got to build on. Now, A husband and wife, they were visiting an orphanage where they had hoped to adopt a child, and in an interview with the boy uh, that they had sought out, they told him in, I mean, glowing terms just about the many things that they were going to give him, how they're going to provide for him, what they're going to give him, how they're going to meet his needs and all of that, and to their amazement, the little guy said, well... If you have nothing to offer except a good home, clothes, toys, and other things like most kids have, what, 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 I mean, why? I mean, I, I, why, why, why would I want to be there? I would just as soon stay here. And What on earth could you want besides those things, they said? He said, I just want somebody to love me. You know, that sounds far-fetched, but the truth is is that that's exactly what all of us want, isn't it? That's somebody to love us. I mean, there you have it. I mean, even a little boy knows that man shall not live by what? Bread alone. Put food on the table, a roof over my head, clothes on my back, but the fact is I need some love. And that's exactly what children need, but it's also what we all need. See, all of us have this intense desire to be loved and nurtured. And you know what? Children, they need to be loved, and adults need to be loved, and the need to be loved could be considered one of our most basic and fundamental needs. There's nothing complicated about it. It's not something that's hidden. We all kind of know that down deep. Just think about what people have done in the name of love. Either for another they claim to love or possibly in order to be loved. She was lying on the ground. In her arms, she held this tiny little baby girl. The man went up and put a cooked sweet potato in her outstretched hand. He wondered if she would live until morning. It's all that he had. It's all that he could give her at the moment. and Her strength was almost gone, but her tired eyes acknowledged the gift. That sweet potato could help so little, it seemed. But it's all that I had, he said. So taking a bite, she began to chew it carefully, slowly and carefully. Then she placed her mouth over her baby's mouth. She forced the soft, warm food into the tiny throat of that baby. Although the mother was starving... She used the entire potato to keep her baby alive. So exhausted from her effort, she dropped her head on the ground and closed her eyes. In a few minutes, the baby was asleep as well. And the next morning, the man who had given her the sweet potato learned that the mother's heart had stopped in the middle of the night. But her little girl lived. Now, one of the forms that the need to be loved takes is called contact comfort. It's the desire to be held, to be touched. It's very important. Findings show that babies who are deprived of this contact comfort, particularly during the first six months after they're born, they grow up to be psychologically damaged. As early as the 1930s, researchers were beginning to identify the long-term damage associated with disrupted or limited attachment opportunities, they called them. John Boldby, he was a British psychologist and psychoanalyst who believes that early childhood attachments played a critical role in later development and mental functioning. In Boldby's The Origins of Attachment Lecture, he alluded to this. He said, during the 1930s and 40s, a number of uh, clinicians on both sides of the Atlantic, mostly working independently of each other, were making observations of the ill effects on personality development of prolonged institutional care and or frequent changes of mother, uh, mother figures during the early years of life. Bowlby's 1953 Maternal Deprivation Hypothesis proposed that, quote, warm, intimate, and continuous relationship with a mother figure or mother is necessary for healthy psychological, emotional development. Mother love in infancy or childhood is as important for mental health as the vitamins and proteins for physical health. He would point out in his research, and again, some will try to discount the research, and I mean, maybe there are some points that possibly, you know, uh, you could dispute. I'm not going to say there isn't, but I do think and believe based on what I've read and what I've looked into and what I just have seen in my life, I think there's something to this. He would point out some consequences of maternal deprivation. And meaning maternal, meaning a motherly or that, that person. And again, in the 1930s and 40s, primarily it was mothers. And then as we get into the newer things, they're kind of inserting words like mother figure. And that's why I read it, because it's in the text, but it wasn't in his original text. So he would point out these consequences of maternal deprivation. He said, an inability to form attachments in the future. Okay, so what he's saying is, is that If there was a lack of uh, of that closeness, that touch in a child's life early on in their life, that it would ultimately or could possibly enable them to form attachments in the future, proper attachments. Another one of those uh, consequences was affectionless psychopathy, he said. That means an inability to feel remorse. Okay? And again, someone would say they have no conscience, Okay. Well, sometimes that may be derived or uh, come uh, forth from the fact that there may not have been enough touch. There may not have been enough closeness, uh, attachment developed early on. Then there's also this element of delinquency, behavioral problems in adolescence. He also pointed out some consequences of this maternal deprivation. One more thing, he said problems with cognitive development just the ability to develop mentally and emotionally, cognitively, uh, uh, properly. Now, listen, love is not just vital in the development of children. It plays a major role in the lives of every human being. Because our Creator knows how important love is in our lives, He made it a point to extend His love to us. Now, we know Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, again, but God commendeth; He showed us his love. So God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, God was expressing and he was uh, extending his love to you and I. Why? Because not only uh, is it necessary for our salvation, but it's just necessary for who we are. We need love, and God extends that to us. In John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's love is not conditional. God's love is extended to every human being. Whether they agree with what the Bible says about him or whether they uh, choose to reject him, he still loves. Again, whether we believe he loves us or not, He does. Whether we feel like He loves us or not, He does. Whether we can accept or receive that love or not, He is there to give it. Now, while Christ was on earth, His love could be felt by everyone He came into contact with. I don't think you could have got around the Savior and not felt the love of God. I don't think you could have. I mean, we see how love transformed and changed the lives of people. We see that in the Gospels. We see it in the Word of God. But what do we do now that the Lord Jesus Christ has ascended back to be with the Father? John would remind us of Christ's words. Turn, if you would, to John 13. John chapter 13, verse 33. It wouldn't be that awfully long before Christ would ascend back to be with the Father. He was going to die on Calvary, be buried, rise again, and then again, ultimately ascend back to the Heavenly Father. In, in John 13, verse through 35, the Lord Jesus is speaking here. And notice what he says. Little children, John 13, little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you. Now here it is. Listen now. A new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. I think it's important to recognize here in John 13 that he makes it a point, a new commandment I give to you. I'm heading back to heaven. I'm going to be leaving, and the love that you have experienced, the love that you have felt from me, I'm going to command it from you to each other. Because love is so essential, it's so vital, it's so necessary, that even long after I'm gone, you must love one another. So a new commandment I give to you. And again, not only did he command them to love one another as he loved them, but that that love, he goes on to say, would demonstrate or would be a mark of true fellowship or discipleship of Christ. Again, he says, but this shall all, by this all men shall know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Okay, so you say, well, you know what? I'm going to be a good testimony of the of of Christ. I'm going to to go to church. Well, that's good. There's lost people that go to church every week. There are folks that are involved in faith that they're much more faithful and committed to their religion than many Christians are to their faith. So that I guess isn't the real way of telling whether or not you're a sincere, a true believer. I know what I'll do, I'll sing in the choir. Well, yeah, that's good too, but, you know, singing in the choir, there's, you know, not necessarily proof positive that you're really a follower of the Lord. I mean, you might be in the choir, but that doesn't mean that you're really close to the master. You could probably sing in the choir and, and still drink, you know, uh, 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 you know, some wine at dinner and enjoy yourself in the holidays and take liberties in that area. And who knows, you know, you do all kinds of things. Say, so why'd you bring that up? I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun. Now I hope you're not, but nonetheless, you could do those things. But hold on. The Lord says, you know what? You want to merely demonstrate that you're a follower of me, you're a disciple of mine? Then you love one another. That's how they're going to be able to tell that you're a follower of me. Why? Because he was, he is love. And everything that the Lord does is, 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 is wrapped in and, and rooted in love. And when we love one another, it's like we're saying, saying, seeing Jesus. I mean, Jesus loved. I mean, people are unlovable, right? And you know what? When we love one another, even when it's not convenient or when it doesn't seem to be exactly, you know, uh, it just seems like we should not love, <laughs> he says, guess what? You're proving all over again that you're my disciple. You're a follower of me. man. I'll tell you what, that's pretty, that's important right there. You say, I struggle loving the brethren. I struggle loving sisters in church. I struggle loving the brothers in church. Well, then you're struggling being a disciple of Christ. You're not a very good disciple then, are you? You say, well, you don't know that. You can't judge me. Oh, the Bible did. It just now said it. It says, uh, let's see, let's read that again. Uh, he says, "A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. But this shall all by this shall all men know, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another. So if you don't have love one to another, all men will know that too. That's just important. We need to understand how simple this can be." Now, not only did Christ command them to love one another again, but he makes that point that, well, I'll tell you what, that love is going to be a mark of your true fellowship of Christ. Now, turn to 1 John 4, 8. Now, in, in 1 John 2, he goes on to say, uh, I, No new commandment do I give you. Love one another. Well, why would he do that? Because he's already given the command. <laughs> it's already been given. But notice what he says in 1 John 4 8. He goes a step further now. Not only will they know you're my disciple or not my disciple based on whether or not you love one another. But notice this. He goes on 1 John 4 8. He that believeth, excuse me, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. I don't know about you, that, that's, man, that's pretty heavy duty right there. And then verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Now, you say, what's what's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is, love again. How important, how vital, how necessary is love in our lives that God's making it this big a deal? It's absolutely essential. We've got to experience love in our lives. We need to express love in our lives. It is a reflection of Him, God, because He is love. Now, listen, if we don't show the kind of love we should in the home, we are not truly painting the right picture of God to our children. If we're not loving as God commands us to love, then we are not reflecting Him properly because He's love. People will have a distorted view of who God is based on the fact that we have failed to express love in the home and treated our children the way God intended and demonstrated that kind of love in their, their midst. Love is vital in our lives if indeed we are to experience a sense of well-being, satisfaction, completeness. Not only are we in need of love in order to experience happiness, but research shows that performing acts of love and kindness promote happiness as well. So it's not just receiving love that's important, it's also expressing it. It's, It's also very healthy to do so it appears that even the, the, the smallest acts of kindness generate such a, uh, just as much happiness as do large acts. See, in an interesting set of studies, participants were either given $5 or $20 as part of an experiment. I know right now you're all going, I wish you'd give me $5 or $20 for an experiment. I'd definitely experiment with it. Well, participants in both these groups were then asked to either spend the money on themselves or on others. It goes on to say, those who spent the money on others, it turned out, grew happier than those who spent it on themselves. Now, I don't know how they figured that out. Okay, I don't. You know, but I'm just saying that apparently they must have had a set of questions. Now, I'm not sure. Some might say, well, you know, people that would give the money to someone else already is probably happier anyway, Right. And, and so there might be some correlation there. So I, I don't know. But, but we know that the, the study, they try to do these controlled studies. So there's got to be probably something to it. He goes on, it, it, and here's the thing. It says, more interestingly again, the amount of money spent on others didn't make a difference to happiness levels. Those who spent five derived just as much happiness as those who spent <clears> 20. <throat> so you might have given $20 to somebody but you weren't any happier about giving the 20 to somebody as somebody that gave five to somebody. If I gave you the $5 bill and you gave it to somebody else, you were just as happy as the person who received 20 and gave 20 away. And most of you right now are going, I wouldn't be happy if I gave it away. I want to spend it on myself. Uh, no, you wouldn't do that. I know better. So not only do each of us need love in order to feel complete and whole, But our homes must possess love if they're going to be happy homes. That's all there is to it. Now listen, we could spend a long time talking about what that means to show love in the home. But you know, honestly, I'm not so convinced that we need to spend a lot of time on it. I think most of us know when we're not acting very lovingly. You know, when we're failing to love the way we should, I think it becomes pretty obvious to us. Sadly enough, it's even more obvious to others around us, isn't it? And so it's important that we are loving the way we should. You say, I want a happy home. Well, a home has to be founded and grounded on the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is love, so love is the foundation for the home. If there's no love in the home, if we're failing to exhibit the love we should, expressing the love we ought to, we are not going to have the kind of home God intended. Go ahead, go home and and say, you know, I'm going to provide you with a a big house, we're going to have a nice car, you're going to have the latest uh, tech, you're going to have nice shoes. you got all the things that the world says is success and that should make us happy. But let me tell you what, that's not where happiness lies. A happy home is found in a home rooted in love. It's not saying that a home may not have problems, but there has to be love. It's got to be love. So I want to encourage you to think about your home, to ask yourself some questions along the way, to give some thought to this, this thing of, of our home. Well, do we do have a happy home. You say, that's pretty good. I mean, we, we get along, we do all right. No, oh, you want a happy home. So let me ask you, would you say you love your family? Oh yeah, I love my family. Okay. You love your family. Here's the next question then. Would your family say you love them? Now listen, there's a big difference between you saying you love your family and your family saying you love them. For instance, how many times has a dad or a mom said, I love my kids, but their kids don't feel loved? You know, dad says, well, if I I didn't love you, I wouldn't do this and this for you. And they're saying, yeah, I know, but, and, and let me just say it this way, when's the last time you picked up a football and played catch with me? To a little kid Absolutely, Mama and others should be saying, listen, you need to understand your dad loves you. Did you see this? There would be no roof over your head if Daddy didn't love you. Daddy loves you so much that he works super hard so that you can have food in your belly and clothes on your back and a roof over your head. Mama needs to do that, no doubt about that. I get that. But I'll tell you what, Dad, sometimes we need to just take that football out or maybe we sit down and color with or we even drink some tea with our little daughters. And they say, boy, Daddy loves me. Me. There's a difference. It just sometimes we, we just need to do those things sometimes. So, would you say you love your family? Yes, but would your family say you love them? And finally, number three. What do you do for them, or with them, that would reassure them that they're loved by you? Years ago, a fellow by the name of Tim LaHaye he wrote a book called Love Languages. And he, he kind of kind of broke down that or made the, the distinction that people different people receive love differently. Okay, and, and he kind of he, you know he kind of used a, a gas tank. You know, uh, is your gas tank full? And and some people, in order to get a full tank, uh, they, they they're touchy feely people. They want a hug. They want held. They want physical touch. Things like that. That's how they really fill up and they feel loved. Other people. You know, you you can imagine, there's just different things. And and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's been years since I read it, I think there were five love languages. Now, I think he's on to something, okay? I, I think there's some legitimacy to what he was saying. And the truth is, is that that's why the Bible says to husbands, you need to love your wives according to knowledge. You need to know who they are, because you need to understand what they see as love, and you need to be able to fill up the tank. Because see, what a guy thinks is showing love or, ex, ex, or receiving love may not be how the wife sees uh, accept, as, accepts love and feels loved. And our children, we need to understand how they receive love. I mean, honestly, let's be honest. Uh, our kids are uniquely different. Although we, we discipline the same, we have the same rules for them all. I understand all that. But listen, our children respond differently to us, don't they? Because they're, they're individuals. We have to learn how to show them they're loved by us. And again, there's a lot of ways to do that, okay? And I'm not, I'm not uh, advocating for dads to, you know, you know, put on a dress and be nurturing and all that stuff. Hey, be a man. Be a man, okay? Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. You can be a man, but you don't have to, you don't have to go around just going, you know, you know, I mean, you get where I'm going, okay? we got, we got to be a good dad, you know, we got to love our kids, and they need to know they're loved. So the question is, and, and as a mom, you got to love your kids. You know? what, what's your greatest memory of your mother? She screamed at me all the time. Oh, isn't that nice. Right, you get where I'm going? Yeah, and, and, and again, sometimes that can be construed as love, if it, that's all they get, and, and a child may start to say, oh, that, so that's normal. Oh, okay. I'm just saying, we need to be careful. Let's, let's lay it out. Let's love the way God intended. But what do you do for them or with them that would reassure them that they are loved by you? Think about that sometime. Really give some thought to it. Instead of just saying, I know I love them and they should know I love them. Why? Why? I want you to think about that. And I think you'll come up with good ways to show love. And boy, I'll tell you what, when we start to show love to those we love, it'll pay dividends. First and foremost, it'll reflect God the Father the way he once reflected. It'll paint a beautiful picture of him to them. That's the most important. And then it'll also help them to learn how to love too. Well, Father, we come to you. We thank you again for what you've done for us. Help us, Lord, to think about how we can improve in this area of loving. All of us can love better. can love more. Be more effective in it. Lord, we want to reflect you properly before the world, and we want our families to see you more clearly. Whether it's a mom, a dad, or an older brother or sister, we need to learn to love those in the home and those around us so that we can truly reflect your person better. God, may the world see us as your disciples as we love one another. How important is love in the home? How important is love in our lives? We need you tonight. Thank you for your wonderful love. We're so grateful for it. We're so undeserving. We're so thankful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.